Hello, and welcome to Climbing Trees, a podcast where we explore the brilliant minds that have inspired brilliant minds. And our guest today, our brilliant mind for this episode, is none other than Ellen Hamilton, owner and genius behind Yellow Dot Designs, granddaughter of former Westminster Presbyterian pastor Cliff Johnson, and author of A Scottish Migration to Alexandria. Ellen, welcome. I'm so happy to have you here with us today. Thank you for joining the program. Hi, it's great to be here. Thank you. Thank you. Now, Ellen, you grew up both in the Pittsburgh area, a place with a lot of Presbyterian history, as well as in Germany. How fun is that? Which means that you are a polyglot. Is that correct? I have no idea what that is, but uh, that sounds fine. If <laughs> How many languages do you speak? Oh, I speak four. Yeah, yeah. So so my my understanding of polyglot is you're bilingual if you speak two. You're polyglot if you speak more than that. Yes. So I think I think you you fit the bill. May you please tell us a little bit about your upbringing and how you ended up in the amazing city of Alexandria. Right. Well, um, I wanted to talk about how how I came. So I grew up in Germany, as you know, and so I wanted to point out that how I came to grow up in Germany started with Westminster Presbyterian Church. It's all linked. I mean, everything yeah. in life is linked. Uh, what happened was, is this church gave my grandfather, Clifford Ross Johnson, um, and my grandmother, um, Allie, and this church gave them a, a, a world trip. Now, I'm not sure what it was for. It, it was uh, some sort of, uh, I guess it was a, a vacation for them, a holiday, but, and- um, Excellent, I, I'm taking notes. Yeah, I'm not right. Yeah, I'm not sure if they, they had to break it up over two years or not. I'm not sure. I can't remember. We have some old photos of the trip of them in Japan. I know they went to Scotland. Um, so this church gave them this great trip, and you know, it, I mean, it was a once in a lifetime experience for them. I'm. It was you know their only time, as far as I know, away from the U.S. But they went all over the world, um, and. Um, so then a bit later, uh, my uncle, so my dad's younger brother, Samuel, um, well, he decided that languages was his thing and travel as well. Mm -hmm. and he ended up learning about 10 languages. Um, so wow. you know, I was just little at the time, just a kid. So we were, you know, we, he'd send us nice little gifts from various places. I think he went to China and I think he well he lived all different places he learned German mm -hmm. and I, he lived in Germany for a while um, and so this was all very impressive and he is very impressive um, and I think my dad was pretty impressed by his younger brother and mm -hmm. um, suddenly I think my dad was also interested in learning German for some reason and I, I'm late years later it occurred to me maybe he was inspired by Samuel Wow. It didn't occur to me at the time, but in looking back, I, I think maybe that, that might have been the case. So uh, somehow dad and dad was teaching English at the University of Pittsburgh and me and my younger sister, Virginia, were just little kids in Pittsburgh. 
And uh, dad managed to get himself a, a Fulbright exchange program in the German city called Kassel, K-A-S-S-E-L. It's not too far from Frankfurt, also okay. not far from the border of East, what was Eastern Germany at the time. So mm -hmm. it's very, very central. So dad got a, a lecture position for one year in 1972 or something, six, I can't remember. Anyway, I was a kid. I was, what was I, 10. I was 10 years old. Jenny was seven. And off we went and left our house in Pittsburgh for one year and lived in Kassel in Germany, where Jenny and I became fluent in German at the, age, at the young age. Um, and then we came back to Pittsburgh. And then two years after that, um, the University of Pittsburgh was laying off the, a lot of their English staff. They had a lot of too many English teachers. Mm -hmm. And dad was in a mess and he had these uh, this young family. And so he contacted Castle and they brought him back much to my dismay because I was launching into my teenage years. I was 12. Yeah. Looking forward to the high school in Pittsburgh around the corner. Um, and so dad got a five-year contract this time with the same university in Kassel. Uh, so the four of us packed up the house again, rented it out in Pittsburgh and moved back to Kassel, which in a way was nice because we were familiar. And I actually knew, went back and ran into some of my old friends two years wow. later. That's fun. Um, yeah. And uh, so I knew some people, we knew our way around. So anyway but so we were there for for then five years until i was 18. um so that's how the whole german thing happened and then um when they moved back when we all moved back kind of my emotional tie to pittsburgh was broken so mm. i had always felt oh pittsburgh was the great home center of the universe but you know by the time i was back here um, um I didn't have to be in Pittsburgh anymore, really. And I thought Washington, D.C. area, this area was pretty neat, exciting area. Um, so then I went to study art at Virginia Commonwealth University, and that's down in Richmond, Virginia. And mm -hmm. after that, I ended up here, um, here. And then I was in Alexandria. I was working here, and um, I was working at a printer, uh, a long history of working with printing and printers. And I was delivering some printing in Old Town, and I was on Cameron Street, I think, in the area where there's all the little old townhouses. And I looked at round, yeah. and I said, "I said, oh, this is so pretty here. Oh, I, I wish I could live here. Would it be neat if I lived?" And I thought, "Oh, you know what? I, I could live here. Actually, you know, all <laughs> I have to do is live here. I mean, I, you know, why not?" So that was, I was having these strange moments of realization. Providence, that's great. Right. I was out in the suburbs at that point. Uh, so it occurred to me, I could actually, you know, just live here. So, so that's how I came to Alexandria. Um, and my grandmother, of course, happened to be here. Uh, she was quite elderly that time at that point and a little bit, um, a little bit reclusive. So she was uh, hard to get in touch with. So that became a project on getting, getting through to grandma always and so that was, um, but um, anyway, I have been here ever since, and I've been here now for 31 years. That's amazing. I'm so glad you shared that. So can I, can I ask a, a question about sure. your experience in Germany? Does, um, do they have a high school? Did they have a high school in Germany? Like, do you have a high school diploma from Kassel? Like, how does that work? 
Well, I went to the German school. So okay. Kassel's a smallish town. I think it was around 200,000 people. That's how Europeans uh, size their towns for you. They always talk about population. Um, so, and no, no, there was a German school and we went right in and we were immediately inundated in German and we had to sink or swim. That was it. Fortunately, German is very, in, uh, very close, very similar to English. Um, harder, grammatically harder, but so similar. Half of English is German. The other half of English comes from French, in my opinion. I, that's my theory. So um, we, so, so you can kind of pick it up. A lot of our words are related. Um, nice. So I, the German school high school system is really rigorous. They have one extra. They have 13 years, and okay. that last year is nothing but prep, prep for the um, baccalaureate, or the Germans call it the Abitur. The French call it baccalaureate. Um, uh, and I was not going to do that. I said, no, I'm American. I don't have to do that. See, I get to go home. There so, you go. But the problem with going home after the 12th grade was I didn't have a high school diploma and no one would have recognized it anyway. American universities don't recognize a German. They don't know what is that. They don't know. Um, so I had to get a high school diploma anyway. So when I came back from Germany, wow. um, I finished up my last year of American high school. So I was actually entered college uh, a couple you know, a bit late, later than most. So that's amazing because you were uh, much more worldly than many. Had quite the knowledge base from living in so many different places, but just did not have the piece of paper. That's so interesting how how that works slash doesn't necessarily work when it comes to you know that system. Wow, thank you for telling me that. Yeah. Um, now, alongside producing the fantastic book, Faith and Race, One Church's Response to Civil Rights Movement, you've also written your own book, Ellen, and that's entitled yes. A Scottish Migration to Alexandria. Now, this past year here at Westminster, we had over 45 members visit Scotland. We had two different trips. We had an adult trip, and then we had about uh, with like 30, 30 folks, 30 adults. Then we had about 17 youth attend um, a trip to Scotland. And they also went to Northern Ireland on those two different trips. So we have interested members in sort of the Presbyterian Scottish history that we share here, both at Westminster as well as in Alexandria. Um, what was the genesis of the project, A Scottish Migration to Alexandria? Right. Well, so I am going to talk about that on in our talk on at the church um, at Sunday School. So um, I'll go into that a lot then. Um, let's see now here. Uh, oh yes. So I'm going to talk about uh, some of the, in my speech, I'm going to talk about mm -hmm. some of the major storylines in the book and um, also how I found a very important source uh, of information for the book, um, uh, the relatives, the descendants of my main character. So I'm going to talk about that then. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. So uh, let's see now. The book started out when I started this, I was wanting to do a film. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, now I lived through the whole switch over from analog to digital. So that was kind of my generation. And some of us made the switch better. Some of us didn't make it so great. 
I didn't really want to change over into digital world and computers at all. It was a real battle. But I finally had to, and I finally did. Uh, I was a graphic designer. I studied, you know, studied, studied design, went back, had to learn the computer. And then some years later, I started learning um, how video works mm -hmm. and also websites. So I was in my 40s and going back to school, taking courses and um, learning, like, you know, I had to ask my husband, how, how does a website work? I don't get it. Like, what is it? And he could explain it to me. And I was also learning video and um, filmmaking. I was learning motion graphics. So I was very interested oh. in, you know, making type do neat things and, and um, illustration and, you know, motion graphics. So I was really into that whole video world and I was going to events. So when this book project came along, um, my first idea for it was to make a movie. My whole thing was I was going to make a movie about it, um, which seems kind of crazy now, but um, because I wasn't able to make a movie in the end. But that was the whole first years were me interviewing people on camera. I got help. Uh -huh. We did voiceovers. I have a whole kind of a rough, rough version of, of what my idea was going to be for a, a documentary um, that I put together. Actually, I spent a long time putting that together. But uh, you can't just go make a movie really, you know, I mean, look at how I think, you know, how people think, oh, well, I'm just going to make a movie. I'm in the film world. I'm meeting a lot of people who are in the, the movie and film world and they make movies. So I think I'll just do this. So I started fundraising and I, you know, helped a little bit to help with the, the, the process and the, mm -hmm. all, that, all the unpaid time that I was uh, years and years that I was working on the project. Um, but I, I finally covid came around and i just realized you know how long am i going to try and make this happen this is not happening um and also the story was on hold for about a year i was really working struggling with the end of the story how i would end it hmm. um, and but my family are come from the world of writing and i had always planned to make a book to write a book do the film as a book at some point uh so i decided all right I'm, I'm not going to do this movie. I'm just going to, this is too many years of my life going, waiting around for this to happen. So I'm going to go ahead and just do this book. Mm -hmm. um, and it never occurred to me also that I couldn't do a book. Uh, just said, I'm going to do this. And because my father taught English, my mother's side, her parents were both uh, English. One was an English teacher. Both were English teachers and um, writers. So I just started doing, you know, taking all my, you know, my content from the movie and of course the movie content had been stripped down to the bare bones for a movie that had to fit yeah. into an hour i mean there is you know i mean over five to seven years of research and writing in this yeah. and as you pr probably know when you research something oh you get lots of information that's kind of related and kind of not related and you go down here you go down this path and that and you read all sorts of fun stuff um and so for the movie I had to just be bare bones, strip right down to just migration, William's story, that's it. For the book now, you got to have all the back information back in. You have to have yeah. all the pages, you have to, you can talk about it. So, so I spent one year bringing all that information back in, going back to all my notes, all my everything, getting all yeah. that stuff I had written and various versions I had kept and bring it all back in for the book. Um, and so, yeah, so uh, that's how the book started. And then I hired an editor, uh, mm -hmm. which is a must, because now I publish books for other people, um, obviously, from, 
for you guys too. I published um, Faith and Race, you know, for, for the church. And um, we are ever grateful. Thank you. Yeah, that's right. And so, but I just know that um, it's good to have an, an editor who's not you. And uh, I, worked with a fan, I worked with a fantastic editor, Vera Pastor, who I knew from the business community here in Alexandria. And uh, Vera was great. And she would, we would be on the phone and she would say, okay, what do you mean by that? And how does this link to that? And you sure that, that? and um, she said, you can't just shock them like that. You can't just tell them he died without any kind of, you know, so she would bring in little kind of bridges and make it work for me. So, um, so that's how you write a book is you get a really good editor. Yeah. So, so uh, let, let, let me share a really quick editor story before I ask my next question. But um, so uh, the only time I've ever had an editor in my life that like I worked alongside, you know, closely was when I wrote my dissertation. Ah. And all I can say is that I have colleagues, friends who, you know, had to do so many rewrites because of whatever the issue was. And one thing that I'm proud of is I did not have to do anything like that. And that wasn't necessarily because I wrote my disc so well. It's because my editor was fantastic, <laughs> you know? And so I join you in singing the praises of a glorious editor. They, they are worth their weight in gold. That's for Absolutely. sure. Absolutely. Yes. Um, um, but, 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 you know, setting that aside, I love hearing about your creative process because you had this idea and then you sort of took all of the research, you said five to seven years, all of this content, and you had to funnel it into an hour. I'm assuming that was a challenge. Yes. Um, I'm assuming it also was a challenge to then give it all of that color back in the book. But was it sort of a, I mean, w w was that like a release? Was that a joyful experience to kind of give more of the story to all of, to, to, the, to, the, to the character, excuse me, to the experience? Or was that sort of like, ah, oh, I'm doing it again. What, what was that like? What was that creative experience? Putting more flesh on the story on the written page. So, what was that like? So this book has been, the whole project has been a total joy. So every bit of this project, awesome. you know, every bit of it was like, oh, my God, this is great. The only problem was, you know, it didn't pay. Uh, and that gets <laughs> awkward after a while. But yeah. Um, yeah, but the whole thing was like, oh, this is such a it was so fun. I mean, you know, yeah. you oh, now I'm going to look up this. I wonder what that is. And the whole thing was, came about by questions. So I had certain questions in my mind. Um, some of the questions were. Some of the questions were, where, uh, when the boats came over from Scotland, where did they come? Where did they land? Mm. So, I had, so I was digging after certain things. The other question was my character, William, how did he, where did he leave from? Now, did he go up to, to the Clyde or did he go down to England, to Liverpool? So I was really curious. And then when I found out, I was like, oh, I found it, you know, oh, there's my answer. Ta-da. You know, that, so it was really exciting. Um, totally. And then. Yeah, so stripping it down was was good. You know, it's like, okay, we don't really have to go into all that. That was fine. Um, and putting, so the full year of putting it back in was good too. I just, I loved every minute of it. Um, I tell the story of William's sister and how they came across. And I tell the various, you know, his brothers. Um, uh, so yeah, uh, and even still to this day, the book is, it's still a small book. It's still a quick read because it's almost still kind of like a film in that sense that it's, 
it's just and then this you know this happened that that you know there's not lots of on and on about uncle louie and you know so and so dithered along and said whatever um sometimes you'll read big fat books that just go on and on and i think that book needed a better editor they had to cut out most of the stuff um so the book is small and you know when i finally put it all together i was like looked at this 88 page thing and i was like what five seven years and this is it is this all this is you know but it is what it was and i sometimes i think publishers pad and authors pad their books a bit because they want to have a nice big fat book when you're the publisher you start to think and you realize how publishers think but i said um no i you know i i put all this time into this is great information here got a ton of pictures you know i'm not gonna just add a bunch of stuff to fill up the book or anything i'm just gonna leave it it's what it is 88 pages it tells the story tells the story of the scots of scotland how what how and why they decided to move come here to america it tells mm-hmm. the story of william gregory and then uh and this was my big problem where why, why i was stuck for a year on the ending um because then i tell the story the, of alexandria mm-hmm. the history, end up telling the whole history very briefly and concisely i've run through here's how alexandria was born um and how it relates to you know william too in that history the problem was um, my, the story originally, the way it sat for many, for many years was I tell the story of history of Scotland, which was the original intent, really the old, the original inspiration was just really to tell this great story about the history of Scotland, because nobody knows this. Nobody remembers this. You don't hear this anywhere. There's no book on this one aspect of why did Americans leave Scotland and come here? There's not one book, it's not really been done. And that was my inspiration that I, you know, I have to tell the story and I'm the one because I know that side because I go there with my husband, I've been married to Scott. I don't know if I mentioned that, but all this started because I married a Scott. And I know the history on this side because I'm involved here with the history community yeah. uh, on this side of serving on the archeology span commission. And so when I read documents about there, I know where and what they're talking about Mm -hmm. Um, and then i know so anyway um back to why i let it sit so the original story was going to be just this massive great history of scotland and how that all happened really all through mostly in the 1700s when the world started to come waken up and lead into what everything that happened in the 1800s obviously but 1700s ended up being really really the huge uh, time of change uh, which really caused America to become America. Um, but I had to have my protagonist. I have to have a subject main character. I ended up with William, which I'll tell, I'll talk about on Sunday. And um, so then I tell the story of William and then I, you know, get all into his family history and letters that I get from yeah. William and, you know, from his family members of the day-to-day stuff, you know, I mean, Fascinating. Every second of the thing was like, oh my God, this is so great. Um, so that's where it is. So then, oh, then William comes here, and then I talk about what happened to him here and his family. And I'm like, okay, great. Now how do I end it? I, so that that's where it sat, you know, it's like, and it did kind of feel like bet this is what it's like to write a dissertation too. Um, and that's where I was like, yeah, but you know, what okay. And then they lived happy ever after. What how do I do that? So Finally, after it just sitting for one year and during COVID, I realized, oh, I know the answer is, and the answer lies in the project. It doesn't lie in you. The project has to tell you and you have to figure it out. Mm. You know, you're having your writer's block, whatever. 
look to the project. The project said, duh, you're starting in Scotland. You end in Alexandria. You're going from a place to a place. Mm -hmm. You're not going from a place to a person. The person takes you from Scotland to Alexandria. He's just, he gets you there. So that's good. He's, he's interesting. You got to have him. Yeah. Couldn't, it wouldn't be any good without William, but the story has to be from Scotland, the history of that to Alexandria. Now with the history of that. And once I figured that out, it all made much more sense. And I was able to finish the project and feel like, and I just felt like it was, it was good. I was right. So. How cathartic. I love that. Well, it was years, seven years at least. I mean, I, you know, I lost track. I mean, it just was ridiculous. Years and years. Yeah. Dumb. Anyway. Well, you have truly wetted our whistle. Uh, I know that we are very excited. We look so forward to this fantastic class. You will be with us December 3rd and December 10th. And so thank you so much for fitting that into your very busy schedule, especially in the holidays. Um, and again, as a church that, you know, has sent a handful of us over to Scotland uh, the last year or so, we look really forward to to learning more about that. So thank you so much for sharing and for being with us in the coming days. Very good. Well, I'm so excited. Thank you for letting me be here. Absolutely. Now, Ellen, this has been great. You have shared with us so much about your life and your work, and you've gotten us very excited about these two classes. But I want to now turn the rest of this podcast over to climbing your tree. Now, you have a very unique role here in our community, as you are the granddaughter of one of our pastors. Right. What a, what a fun role. You've played a vital role in our recent Therefore project with the design and the printing of the book. You've spent almost a decade studying and researching how our spiritual ancestors voyaged here to, and yes, I'm going to call Alexandria to a sacred place. Today, I'd love to know who are the folks that have inspired you? Who are the people that have helped shape your life? Who are the people that have made Ellen Hamilton, Ellen Hamilton? Well, so um, I have to say that for me, art has always been a major part of um, yeah. you know, my, my world. And uh, that comes from my mother. I have to say my parents were both um, my inspiration. Um, so my parents were married very young. And so mom was always interested in art and she would have probably studied art, uh, but uh, they had a young family and um, so, you know, so she didn't do that, but she did later on. So later on, she did um, go into painting and she's a painter and she's always been very artistic. And anyway, so she encouraged me to go into art. So when I was going to school in Germany, uh, the German high school, now it's a, you know, rigorous. You have, I won't go into German high schools, but one thing that they do is um, they have you major in two subjects. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So you get to major. So. I, uh, I majored in art and French. Uh, that really is how I, you know, was the beginning of how I learned languages. Um, and yeah, so I really started focusing on my art, you know, mm -hmm. knowledge in, in high school already. It gave me a nice, you know, background, learning color, oh. color theory and other things, you know, perspective and other things. Um, and then when I got back to the US to VCU, I majored in uh, painting and printmaking. And um, then once I had that degree, I realized I, you know, I felt I 
I was working at, at a print shop here in Alexandria at Canal mm -hmm. Center. And um, I was encouraged to go back and learn graphic design because I was around printing and graphic design is means design for print that the original meaning is design for print. Okay. So I went back to Northern Virginia Community College and I got my AAS associates in uh, communication design. Okay. Cool. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, so I guess I talked already about how that got it that got me into motion graphics and switching over into the, the websites and that kind of thing. So um, so yeah, so that, I would say that that is my where my inspiration comes from. That's amazing. So so your I love how um, you know your mom was an artist, loved art. Your dad English, and now I mean, look what you I mean you 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 create you <laughs> produce in both of those fields. That's amazing, Ellen. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I did the illustration on the cover of the book, so yeah, that was fun. Actually, the illustration on the cover of book started yeah. out as the motion graphic for the film. It was uh, it was a motion graphic for the teaser for the film, and I spent weeks weeks on that motion graphic it's a it's a a, a line drawing of a of a ship uh -huh. i visited the ship up in baltimore i looked at paintings of ships and oh my god so i did this illustration of the ship and then the ship has on ocean on the front cover of the book shows the ocean well that ocean is actually a motion graphic and in the teaser trailer um that's on the website uh you can see actually the the sh the ocean it looks it moves and that little bit there took me weeks and weeks of uh, video tutorials and sitting there and working out how that how to make that work and then the sky the the it's a nice cloudy scottish sky um that sky the underground is a photograph of a scottish sky which i took in on the coast of aberdeen looking out over the north i guess that's the north sea up there yeah um, yeah the ocean outs off of Aberdeen, it was this thick black Scottish cloud. I mean, it, it, there's nothing like a Scottish sky. I mean, there are just layers of clouds. I mean, it's always interesting because there's tons of clouds. But so you had in this one sky photograph, you had black clouds. You actually had almost the color black because I had a photo. And then you also had bits of patches of bright blue showing through. Wow. So that is just a classic Scottish sky. And totally. so um, I took the photograph and I kind of erased out Aberdeen at the bottom or whatever the beach, you know, people walking on the beach. I kind of erased that and covered it up with more clouds and stuff. Um, so that becomes the my, you know, my sky background. Uh, so so I need to ask, um, where can our listeners see that? Because, you know, I mean, the still is very moving on the cover, but you just. I mean, you just shared how you poured like a month into that in, in, into that film, um, into that digital art. Is there uh, is, is that on the website? How, how can our yes. listeners see that? Oh, yes, I have a whole website. A lot of my time also went into, you know, making the Scottish film, Scottish migration film website and posting all the articles. Oh, and I got in the news and I now I'm, I'm massive at marketing. I'm always doing that. So I was sending off my press releases. So I got into a lot of the local papers over the years, like 
maybe over three different years, I have different articles. So every article on me is up on that website. Uh, the, the video trailer that I made with the interview of my, his, my Scottish historian is, is up there on that website and other uh, videos. An interview video is up there with me that was done. Um, it's, uh, that was great. I'm just talk for 25 minutes or something <laughs> earlier on about this project. Um, and uh, so all these little videos and information about the film is all on this website. Scottishmigration-film.com is the uh, URL, the website address. It's all one word, Scottish migration and a dash film.com. Awesome. I, I, I encourage all of our listeners to go there and check it out, not just to learn about the amazing research, but to also see Ellen's uh, painstaking creation in motion. Yes. I want to see both. Oh, yes. There are photos. I, I went and visited yeah. the town where William is from. I went there. I met my, I had a main contact over there. I have pictures of that trip and pictures of my contact, Frank, how it, and pictures of Kilmarnock. And so, yeah, there's, um, and it's all just there. It's just sitting there. So it can be seen anytime. Love it. Well, thank you so much. I, it's it's such a treat to hear about, you know, not just your research and your story, but sort of the how you became the artist that you are, Ellen. And I, I, I just know that, you know, there's so many folks that are really excited to to um, hear you and to see you uh, on December 3rd and on December 10th. Uh, all of our listeners, we can join that series with Ellen Hamilton at 945 on Sunday mornings here at Westminster. Uh, those classes will take place in the Havercamp room. Uh, and one can also participate virtually. So just sign up for our church website and you can be Zoomed in to the meeting. Again, Alan, I can't thank you enough. And I look so forward to being again or being together with you soon. Uh, to each and everyone in our audience, Thank you for listening. Much love and hold fast. Thank you.